Welcome to this holiday edition of the On The Brink podcast, where we bring you honest chats and the very best in traditional country music. Hi, I'm Stana, and I have a literal present for all you stone-cold country music traditionalists, which of course, I'm at the very top of that list. Since 2013, Dennis Ledbetter has blessed us classic country fans with stone-cold country music, titles such as If You Drive Me to Drinking, I'll Buy the Gas, Open a Vein, and his very latest The Greatest Country Singer, a song, by the way, that has a very interesting backstory. I know that when I see Dennis Ledbetter's name on a single, it's going to be country music, y'all. His latest full-length album, Opposite Walls, has already produced singles that have topped the country music charts. And his talents have not gone unnoticed by the independent traditional country industry, with multiple awards, including a Male Vocalist of the Year win. He's also had 11 number one hits and counting. But don't paint Dennis into a corner, as he's probably not the stereotypical Bubba that some like to assign to traditionalists. Dennis Ledbetter is a graduate from the University of Louisiana in Lafayette and is an engineer by trade. Kind of makes sense to me in retrospect as he had a fresh perspective on a couple of things. So typical of an engineer, right? Well, to engineer and be creative. And he was also very informative and has some solid advice for anyone wanting to embark on this country music journey. We had a lot to talk about, y'all. So I'm presenting this interview in two parts with the second release available after the new year. Happy holidays and enjoy. Hey, Dennis, how are you? Good, Santa, how are you doing? I'm doing good. Hey, you pronounced my name right. (laughs) Well, I just pronounced the way it was spelled. That's right. That's what I'm saying. Every, you know, I've had people call me Sana, uh, <laughs> some other Sana, Santa. <laughs> <like Tana. laughs> and I, you know, I'm saying, hey, it's it's like you know, Rosanna, just Santa instead, you know. Yeah. So, hey, how are you? How about you? How was Thanksgiving? You know, and all of that. I'm good. You know, I'm going through the same things that everybody else is going through, having withdrawals because I can't get out and sing and do what I love to do. But uh, other than that, uh, everybody's healthy. We, none of us have succumbed to the virus and I've got, I've got a few good friends that are in trouble with it, but uh, none of my immediate family has yet. Well, Well, I did, I did have a daughter that had it and and she got through it without any real complications, but uh, luckily I have, actually, I think I had it back in January before we knew what it was. I I had all I had all the symptoms for about two weeks and then it disappeared and it didn't really dawn on me until I started, you know, till they started telling you what the symptoms are supposed to be. Now, did you also lose like the, uh, being able to taste stuff? Yes. Yes. And the, you know, the the hacking cough and the fever and everything for about two weeks. I thought it, it I just thought it was the regular flu, but I'm pretty sure I probably had it back in January, but but I, my immune system's pretty strong. I've been eating lots of dirt all through the years. No, I was about to say, um, 
you know, it's it's a consistent narrative, Dennis. Um, and I, I laugh. We have a mutual friend, James. And, um, you know, every time, you know, a new single comes out from you I, and he goes, Dennis Ledbert. I said, oh, no problem. I don't have to hear it. I know it's going to be good. Yeah. <laughs> I know it's going to be country music. <laughs> you know, it, it's funny because I've, I've got this album out right now and it takes, I don't know, sometimes it, uh, now a, a single might run 20 weeks. Oh yeah, and uh, I've got ten songs that I think deserve to be singles off the album, and it, it's going to take a long time to to do that before I release a new album. Well, well, I'll tell you, you're right. The songs are just amazing. I, you know, I really wanted to talk to you more about how this whole album came about, how you came about picking some of these songs, because it is. I mean, it's just a real stone cold country album. And, you know, we want to thank you for that, right? Because <laughs> it's yeah. kind of hard. You have to, <laughs> I say you have to, you know, look at the uh, charts with a, a microscope nowadays <laughs> to get something that's, you know, real stone cold, you know. Um, I like all kinds of music. You know, when it comes to country music, um, I just prefer the, you know, real traditional country music. Not to say there aren't other types of country music that aren't good. I mean, sure. But, you know, it's just what makes my heart sing, you know? I, I don't know. You know what I mean? I know exactly what you mean. I I grew up listening to nothing but country music. If I heard anything that wasn't country, real country, uh, it wasn't on purpose. <laughs> and, uh, I just I just fell in love with that style of music years ago and, and uh, it's just all, it's the only thing I know how to, how to I sing well, you know? I've done karaoke and done uh, Purple Rain and different things, sure, and of actually, actually sound good, you know. But mm -hmm. it's not—it's not what I thrive on. Yes, yeah, not what makes your heart sing exactly. Well, you kind of touched on this just a little bit. You said you grew up listening to that Stone Cold country music. Why don't you tell us, you know, how you, you know, came into this crazy music business? Well, I mean, I grew up in. Uh, a lot of places. My dad was in pipeline construction and we moved a lot, but it was mostly in, in rural Louisiana and Arkansas and, and uh, Texas. And I mean, my dad and my mom, that's all they listened to. And, uh, I had a uncle that came by to stay with us a while. He was down on his luck and he didn't have a lot with him, but he had six George Jones albums in his, in his trunk wow. of his car. And we broke wow. them out and played them over and over and over. And I was hooked from then on. Uh, and, uh, you know, I, it's just all I ever listened to. And it was, it was the old country. It was the good stuff that, that, uh, it was actually the 70s stuff that I really got hooked on Merle Haggard and George oh, Jones, yeah. Conway mm -hmm. Twitty and those folks. Oh, and Conway. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Well, growing up in Louisiana. Now, what part of Louisiana are you from? Like what, what, um, what town, you know, what area there's north and, and south. And I know that it's real different. <laughs> from it, it is. There's, there's, there's three distinct Louisianas. You've got North Louisiana, South Louisiana, and then you got New Orleans. Right. Uh, they're, right. they're different. They're all different cultures. Oh, yes. But I, was, I was born in Shreveport, Louisiana. And uh, we moved down to South Louisiana in 1969. And I've been down there ever since. Uh, I graduated from a little in a little town called St. Martinville, which is in the heart of Cajun country. Mm -hmm. And then uh, 
graduated from college from Lafayette at the time it was called USL University of Southwestern Louisiana. And I ended up leaving there and going to work and coming back and and uh, I ended up in Baton Rouge about 1980 and stayed there till stayed in Baton Rouge till 2015. So I've been been in South Louisiana most of the time. Yeah, most of your life. What's the fondest memory you have about growing up in Southern Louisiana or just in Louisiana? Uh, fishing and hunting. <laughs> really? Some of my most, you know, my most exciting, my, my most enjoyable times were, I, I guess if I had to choose just one, it would be at the deer camp with uh, friends and family and, and, you know, bringing the grandkids and the kids and bringing them up through the process and, I, I I really enjoyed hunting a lot, and not so much. I wasn't really mad at the deer so much as I just enjoyed being at the camp. <laughs> hey, we have a lot of hunters that listen to this show. As a matter of fact, we I had written a blog post called uh, "How to Bag a Big Buck." <laughs> so yeah. I, <laughs> so I have a question for you because if I don't ask you, I will get in trouble. Um, so, in your opinion, you know what area, you know what spot. In Louisiana, I mean, I don't know if you go to public land or stuff like that to, you know, go uh, deer hunting. But do you have any tips on where in Louisiana and, you know, well, where I mean, a big buck? <laughs> obviously, there's 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 big deer all over Louisiana. Oh yeah. The, the the bigger deer in Louisiana are in the northern parts of the of the of the state. Uh, down in the South Louisiana, you get into those swamp deer. They're like rabbits with horns. They're not real right. big. Yeah, but, those uh, are like the kind of deer we have in Florida. <laughs> yeah, you're right. It is very similar. Very similar. Yeah. But uh, yeah, the North Louisiana deer, when you get up around uh, all of those uh, soybean fields and stuff where they get to eat a lot of protein and stuff like that, they get a lot bigger up there than they do in the South. Right. So is there a favorite spot that you have? Well, actually, the my favorite spot's in Mississippi. Uh, it's right on the river uh, by Fort Fort Gibson, Port Gibson, and uh, we killed some really nice deer. I, I got one uh, 160 class deer out of there. Oh wow! And uh, yeah, it's, uh, there's some big deer up there, and anywhere along the Mississippi River, along in the Delta country, there, there's big deer along there. Wow. So how did you get started in your musical career? Obviously, you grew up listening to some Stone Cold Country music, and that had to, you know, shape your musical taste moving forward. Same thing, you know, happened with me. And um, But at some point, you had to, like, come to the realization, Dennis, that you had some talent or that you just wanted to do this for a living. Um, do you remember what happened in your life that you said, you know, I'd love to do this. I'd love to sing for a living. You know, it, it's as I was growing up, you know, it, it was sort of strange for a 12 year old boy walking around singing. He stopped loving her today. Uh, <laughs> right. But I did. I, I walked all the country stuff. I just sang all the time. And I got out of high school and college and uh, I got on a, a, a traveling job. I was working and I still do the work. I'm a turbine engineer, work on steam turbines and generators. Oh, wow. And it, it was a traveling job. And everywhere I went, I'd seek out a honky tonk or a nightclub where they had a live band. And and uh, 
beg, bar, and steal an opportunity to get up on stage with them. And uh, basically just started like that. And then uh, I fell into a, a, a deal in, in Mississippi, up near Cleveland, Mississippi. Uh, guy was playing at the Holiday Inn where I was staying. I spent almost two years up there working. And he played every Friday and Saturday night at the Holiday Inn. He was just a one-man band. His name was Mac Jackson. And uh, got to be friends with him. And uh, it, well, every Friday and Saturday, he'd let me up and do a couple of sets. And we were always doing, in, you know, the, the classic country stuff, the George Jones, Conway Twitty, Hank Jr. kind of stuff. And I just got hooked on it. And he was also a prolific songwriter. And, and I sat down and, and we, we co-wrote some stuff together. That's how I got started uh, writing. And as a matter of fact, the first uh, the first song that I wrote and recorded was about my work, and it was called "The Turban Cowboy." <laughs> That's great. It, it's on that uh, it's on that first CD. Yeah, the "If You Drive Me to Drinking" record. It's on there. Mm -hmm. The Turban Cowboy is got a got a fantastic track on it. It's just really honky tonk. Wow, I, oh, that's awesome! I'm gonna have to check that out. It's probably one that I didn't. Uh, you know, that escaped my uh, ears. But um, it's funny, as you were talking about being a turbine uh, uh, engine uh, mechanic, I guess. Is it, engineer. You oh, you're uh, an engineer. Consulting <laughs> engineer. Oh, well, is that what you went to school for? It is. It is. I got my degree in uh, industrial technology, not specifically turbines. Of course, they, they provided that training once you got to work with them. But uh, I went to work for General Electric, and they had a really good training program. Wow. Do you but, know uh, I still do it. I've, I've got a job coming up in Muskogee, Oklahoma, January the 4th, and then one in Decatur, Alabama in March. Wow. How are you able to do both? This is amazing to me. Well, what it is, is I have to do both because if I didn't do the turbine work, I couldn't afford to do the music. Oh, gotcha. Okay. Yeah. So it's kind of supports you know, what you really want to do. I mean, it sounds like you have a lot of passion for the turbine, you know, that type of work too. Well, I mean, you know, uh, when you get out in life, you, you would like to think that you're going to find a job that you really enjoy and that you're really good at. And I did. And uh, I don't want to do it all the time because the hours are grueling. You know, typically you get on an outage for six or eight weeks and you're working 91 hours a week. Uh, you know, 13 hours a day, seven days a week for eight weeks. And then you wore out right after the end of that. Now, since I don't know much about this, but when I think of turbine engines, I think of planes. Am I well, well uh, 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 an airplane has a, a, a gas turbine engine. Yes, they think this is a steam turbine. These are big power plant turbines that I typically oh. work on. Oh, gosh. OK, so that's that's a bit more complicated. Well, it's, I don't, it's not so much more complicated. It's just bigger. Bigger, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, a, so, a full um, train, a full train on a turbine generator might be a uh, hundred yards long. Oh Lord, you have to be kidding! Wow, oh my goodness! And so you work all across the U.S. I do. I, I haven't worked. Uh, I've worked some in, in out west, but not a whole lot. Uh, I guess if you any, anything uh, east of the Mississippi River, I've uh, I've worked in every state uh, on the east side of the Mississippi River, 
been up to Canada a few times, Nova Scotia, but uh, I don't work out of out of country. I never did. It's hard enough to get people to understand what you're telling them when you're trying to speak English. I don't want to go somewhere where I can't speak the language. Right. No, I, I totally agree with you. And yeah, that can be a tough one. Well, you know, I have, I'm just so impressed, you know, with what you've just shared, you know, I've been a, a closet songwriting singer for I don't know how long and I do radio stuff because, you know, like you said, it's one of those things where, you know, it pays the bills and everything, but I'm just, you know, you telling me that you can do both, you know, cause you're doing it. I mean, that gives me a lot of inspiration and hope as well. Well, it, it's the hard way to do it. Actually. I mean, you know, really it, it, it's uh, who was it? Uh, David Allen Coe, mm-hmm. uh, what was it? What he said? Uh, if you're big star bound, let me tell you, it's a long hard ride. Right. He yeah, it's lying. a long hard ride. Uh, <laughs> he wasn't lying about that. <laughs> yeah. Because I, you know, I I did early recordings. You know, I went to Nashville in the '80s, mm-hmm. and uh, I had I don't know if you know, there's a producer by the name of James Stroud. Oh yes. Are you kidding? Mm-hmm. Yeah. He, you know, he he produced. Uh, in the early days, he produced Tim McGraw and folks like that. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, my first recording was in uh, in Jackson, Mississippi. Uh, my my buddy that I told you used to share a stage with me. He had a producer and he had a little studio there in Jackson, and and I recorded uh, two tunes in that studio. Uh, it was "If You Drive Me to Drink" and "I'll Buy the Gas" and uh, "The Turban Cowboy." Mm-hmm. And it just so happened that. Uh, the Wrangler Star Search was having a big contest there in that area, and I participated in that Wrangler Star Search contest in Jackson. I was runner-up in the contest, but we had a blast. And then, uh, you know, I did things like uh, back in 84, 85, I did when the National Network started. Mm-hmm. I did the uh, You Can Be a Star show. Oh, yeah. Really enjoyed that. And, and I like I say, I would, I would uh, play anywhere – Anywhere, anytime that that uh, the, the the current band was uh, willing to take a chance on letting me get up stage and not 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 mess up their gigs, uh, <laughs> most most of the time uh, I did pretty good though, as as long as I stuck with the uh, you know the classic country stuff that everybody knows. Right, right, yeah. James Stroud, I know because of the work he did with Tanya Tucker. So he, yeah, Stroud, he, he was an amazing, he is an amazing mm-hmm. producer. I don't, I don't know if he's still active or not, but, uh, mm-hmm. but, but that was, a, that was really fun. It was, you know, that was my first taste of uh, going to Nashville and, and getting an opportunity to, to sit in amongst the, the best of the best. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, you know, I continued to, that. I, I released several singles uh, through the years and, uh, I guess four or five of them, you know, my own label, different labels. And then in 2009, I retired from, from engineering, started my own consulting company. So I didn't really retire, but at least that, you know, my time was my own. Right. And uh, I went into the studio in uh, Nashville and uh, I was introduced to a, a guy by the name of Tom Harding. He's a, a really great producer. He is, he's produced all of my stuff, oh, but, uh, you know, he he fell in there with with the best of the best with me, and 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 we've created some really good music together. And uh, I continue to use him. And 
<clears throat> we released the first album in 2013, which was uh, If You Drive Me to Drink and I'll Buy the Gas. And it just so happens that that, that song was my first uh, release from that album. And it went number one on both the digital charts and the AM FM charts. Mm -hmm. And, and it was, it's the song that really put me on the map and it was just fortunate that it was the first one off of that album. And, uh, we actually had five number one singles off of that album. And, uh, we came back with, uh, back 2015, uh, I, unfortunately, I got a, a divorce and uh, it created just one. Just one? <laughs> that was the second one, though. Oh, OK. <laughs> right. But it, it, it created a lot of opportunities to write new songs. So so wow. the uh, the second album, uh, My Life is a Country Song is mm -hmm. the, the album title. And it did it did well. We had three singles off of that that went number one. And uh I did an EP, uh, four song EP. It might be the whiskey. And then I, I ventured into a, a deal where I did a bunch of uh, virtual videos, virtual music videos. There's four of them out there on YouTube uh, from the uh, from that from that single from that album, actually, or EP. And uh, we ended up with, with one. Uh, I had a, a number one hit with. Uh, JD is my whiskey, not my name. And uh, <laughs> it it stayed in at number one for almost eight weeks. And it wow. uh, did real well for me. And then uh, went back into the studio with uh, Opposite Walls. And uh, I started co-writing with uh, T.W. Hale. He's, he's now my, currently now my co-producer, but we do a lot of co-writing together. And uh, I've also been co-writing with uh, with several other people, but um, I, I, I got to know uh, Larry Cordell a little bit. Not Ooh, not Larry a great, mm -hmm. not a whole bunch, but but Larry and I got friendly enough that uh, he let me record one of his tunes on the Opposite Walls album, and then it'll be a single to come out. It's probably this year in twenty one twenty one. Uh, but uh, Larry did that song, and the current song that you know that's out there now uh, with the George Jones tribute song is uh, Jimmy Payne and Lobo. I don't know if you know Jimmy, but Jimmy's a legendary songwriter there in Nashville. You remember a song back in the day called "Woman, Woman"? Oh yeah, that was that was Jimmy Payne. Oh wow! And. Uh, mm. Jimmy Jimmy wrote that uh, greatest country singer of them all. It was funny though because I I'd met Jimmy back in the '80s when I was promoting some singles off you know on the independent side. He was working for a, a promotional company out there in, in Nashville, and I met Jimmy back in the '80s, and he had just released that song as a as a single. And George, of course, George was still alive at the time, and. Uh, I don't know how well it did for him, but uh, I fell in love with it and and uh, converted it to digital so that I could listen to it more often. And when I got ready to do Opposite Walls, I called him and asked him if they would, he and Lobo would do a rewrite on it and reflect, you know, the fact that, that George had passed. And uh, 
he gave me a he, he gave me some leeway to change a few lyrics. I, I wasn't looking for any writers or publishing or none of that. I just wanted to sing the song, so I added a couple of lyrics to it, changed the melody a little bit, swapped around a chorus or two, and and then we ended up with what you what you're hearing now. That's such a great song. I, I and, love that song. And uh, you know, the, the I've, I've got a friend of mine named Larry. Uh, Larry Simpson over in Texas, and uh, he's written a bunch of great songs. He was a he was a good songwriter. He was a a well sought after you know songwriter back in Nashville back in the uh, late seventies, and uh, you know he had that that style that traditional country style, and uh, he wrote several of the songs that uh, that he and I co-wrote some of them on on that album. But uh, I, I've got a new album. I got a new single. Probably, probably won't come out till February or late January. It's on the new on the Opposite Walls album called "The Ring." The Ring. And it's a it's a killer song. But that's going to be my next single. Oh, that's great. Well, you know what? Let's go and hear um, the greatest country singer of all time. So that's like one of my favorite songs on the album. I'm going to go ahead and spin it for the fine folks that are listening. All right. I never sang a song before about the singing star, but there's one among the legends that my feelings can't ignore. This song will make you happy Or they'll chill you to the bone A gift to us from Texas George Possum Jones And every time I hear your voice I feel the pain
talked a little bit about how you grew up in Louisiana and you talked about some of your influences and I'm wondering if you can recall what was the first uh, show or concert that you attended you know that you actually remember that you know actually impacted you on some level well actually I was fairly old when I went to my first I never did go to a lot of concerts I mean I listened to a lot of radio and, and a lot of records but mm -hmm. the very first concert I went to was in Baton Rouge and it was called the Legends Tour mm -hmm. it was uh George Jones Conway Twitty and Merle Haggard oh golly <laughs> and it was yeah wow. I was, man it was just fabulous it was fantastic oh, I got to meet George I got to meet Conway and uh I had to get on a plane the next morning after the concert uh, to go somewhere off on a job. And lo and behold, I'm in line to get on the plane and Merle Haggard stands sit, standing in front of me in line. Oh, my goodness. So we got to converse a little bit. I really enjoyed that meeting. Oh, my gosh. I can't even imagine <laughs> what that must have been like. Now, right. Conway Twitty, I never got to meet. I got to meet Merle. I got to George Jones was like the first uh, concert that I went to um, at the Strawberry Festival in Plant City, Florida. And um, I got to meet him. I was just a little girl. And he was just such a super sweet and nice person. Oh, and he was. He was he was a he was a really nice person. He really was. I mean, he, you know, I just, you know, you hear all these things, but you know, um, people are human beings, you know, we kind of tend to forget that you know um and my i saw him two times after that um and he was always just so kind and and ready to you know take a picture sign an autograph i mean just you know really nice person you know so, he was yeah um so that if i had ever attended a concert with all three of those gentlemen <laughs> Or singing, I don't, I think I would have died and gone to heaven. Well, I tell you what, I haven't forgotten it. I think about it a lot. On the Brink 2020, all rights reserved. Hey, y'all, Santa here. I'd like to thank Recruiting Awesome for sponsoring this On the Brink podcast episode. If you're an organization that is looking to hire new employees, I would absolutely recommend that you go to recruitingawesome.net and find out more about this stellar organization. They have over 15 years of experience in the talent acquisition and HR consulting space. They are absolutely able to put your organization on the right expansion plan. If this sounds appealing to you, then why not just give them a call right now? That phone number is 
1-800-748-0518. Once again, that number is 1-800-748-0518. Or you can visit them at recruitingawesome.net. They take the worry out of recruiting. And don't forget to tell them that you heard the good news from Santa.